2: before we start the show today I want to just let you know about our friends over at MyBookie as we get ready here for NFL week 9 it sounds crazy to say it but it is week 9 and of course there's no better time to get into the action than as we get ready here for the NFL playoffs you might want to put on a bet to see who gets to the playoffs you might want to just do it on the weekly action you might want to do a parlay and mix some of those games together so much action on whether it's the NFL pro football college football uh, the, the there is just so much action happening at this current moment in time around the sports world the play- to get in on the action is at mybookie.ag and right now if you join mybookie will double your first deposit that is for loyal rotoviz podcast listeners up to one thousand dollars on your first deposit they will match that dollar for dollar use the promo code rotoviz to activate the offer visit online today that's mybookie.ag and don't forget to use that promo code once again that is rotoviz bet win get paid
0: as the time delivers perfectly downfield, touchdown! Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one and touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Can catch
2: it? He did! Hello everyone welcome back to RotoViz Overtime on RotoViz Radio. My name is Colum Kelly as always you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by Mr. Sean Siegel one of the co-owners over at RotoViz, and it is going to be a nice show today as we look forward to week nine look back at week eight. Week eight was a little bit more positive than our show last week for week seven. I know the title of last week's show was did week seven happen? Uh, of course we're a little bit more positive on today's show because we've seen a major bounce back in some of the RotoViz favorites to to bounce us back in to the box score in our weekly league sean i hope that was the same for yourself Uh, how did week eight treat you
1: much better it was fun to see those guys get rolling again obviously david johnson not going to score any points from the bench but it was a relief for uh, curtis patrick and i to see uh, cooper cup go off for over 200 yards always uh, good to to get those big point totals there. And then uh, I mentioned on the show a couple of times and we had Ben Gretsch on, he and I co-own a team together and that one is led by mike evans so despite the absence of johnson on both of those teams those huge receiving performances were able to pull us back up so both of those teams are now in the top four are looking at a possibility of the playoffs if we can make a good push here so it's it's fun to see those receivers put up the huge performances and certainly those guys came through in a big way this past week
2: yeah and we're going to talk a little bit about guys like Cooper Cup in the second half of the show today I think uh, you know we talked a few weeks ago about this Rams passing attack and where the value was and we talked about the other options still think there's value in some of the other options but there's no doubt Cooper Cup's the uh, the alpha dog in this offense at the moment as we roll forward here you mentioned Chase Edmonds uh, you mentioned sorry David Johnson and uh, him getting no points from the bench so after the huge explosion last week in week seven for Chase Edmonds there was there was very little points for him while on the field. This week but uh, lots of players like the, this week where they were filling in in those backup roles the same situation in detroit as well uh, where not a lot came from it but it's gonna be interesting as we go through the sh- show today and talk about some of the players who did have those big weeks this past week and uh, we'll be talking a little bit about expected points as well some running back talk coming up later on the show so looking forward to running through all that but just before we get into it i want to as always let you know about Rotoviz patreon patreon is up and rolling for the fantasy playoffs and get ready to gain Exclusive access to that Rodovez radio radio Slack where you can ask us those questions and gain that League Winning advice from any of the podcast and writing team get ready for the playoffs become a road of his radio patreon today and join that exclusive community of listeners access that premium slack channel and then help the channel as always to grow and continue to provide that industry leading programming once again that is patreon.com forward slash road his radio and as always we'd like to let you know at the start of the show as a loyal listener you can save 10% off a road of his nfl pass right now available through the podcast homepage, which is road his radio.com forward slash podcast get ready for the playoffs it all comes down to that playoff push getting your team into the playoffs and then getting your team that edge to win yourself a championship that's what we all play for it's a lot of fun but it's a lot more fun when you come home with the championship at the end of the season gain unlimited access to all of our tools and nfl content do that by going over to rotavisradio.com forward slash podcast so sean we're going to look at blair's piece up here it's one of the early pieces every week we do tend to head on it in the show um each week when we record it i guess we'll mention as well when we're recording this recording this one around about 1 p.m eastern so the trade deadline coming up very shortly here for us we'll probably not touch too much on the, the players that may get moved some rumors coming out over the last uh, kind of 30 minutes or so which could make for some very exciting trade deadline talk but we may have some exclusive bonus content we've been doing a few bonus shows each week on the podcast network and uh, we may have some of those to React to some of the lit trades. We had one with Stefan Laco last week where he talked about uh, the trade off Sanu to the Patriots and the trade of Sanders to the 49ers. So you might see something like that coming out over the next couple of hours on the channel as well. But as we record this one, Blair did look at the expected points. And I guess uh, the player who's really relishing the performance at the moment in terms of the running back position is Aaron Jones of the Packers. Um, it has been a really enjoyable time for me this season, being a Packers uh, fan, watching those players develop. But Aaron Jones has. Uh, really turned into something special at the running back position this season. Uh, I seen earlier today that since week one, where I think he was running back 52, uh, he has been running back one since that week, so from week two onwards, So he's really playing well. But what what are some of the observations when you look into it, Sean, um, what Blair has taken away here in terms of he was looking at at some second-year breakouts and crazy efficiency, but what stood out for you um, when you looked through it at first glance?
1: Yeah, well, latavius murray led all of the non-quarterbacks in total expected points for the second straight week and you know managed to capitalize that for his second consecutive game of more than 30 points his expected points of 28.8 uh set a new career high which uh, was just set previously last week but it's the third highest single game total for any running back in 2019 and Murray has has long been a, a RodaVez favorite, you know, since the, the time when Davis Matic picked him in the middle of the first round <laughs> in our original rookie draft back uh, for the the first uh, RodaVez Dynasty League, and so it's great to see him doing some of the things that we would have anticipated. He's a big-time athlete for a larger running back, and because of you know some questionable blocking and I think also some questionable play-calling at his previous stops, he was not always able to show that, was considered someone who sort of underperformed his talent, and now we're perhaps seeing the flip side of that. Of course, the problem here is that Alvin Kamara you know, will be returning in all likelihood after their Week 10 bye. So Cullen, in terms of looking at murray you know what what were your expectations here you know is he impressing you even more than you would have perhaps expected in the case of a camara injury and now do you expect this backfield to maybe shift a little bit more one of my concerns with murray as a pick at his adp which has certainly paid off over the last couple weeks is simply that because ingram had you know such an emotional pull was so important to what the Saints had done in terms of trading up for him in the first round I mean they had spent so much on Ingram in terms of both dollars and draft capital that he was going to continue to be involved in these games even when it was pretty clearly hurting them to take touches away from Kamara didn't expect to see that with Murray you don't have those same connections even though he's arguably a better running back we saw that play out at the beginning of the year, Kamara getting most of the touches. Now, Murray, with these two huge games, are we going to fall back into that pattern where this is not necessarily an even split, but he's going to, to knock down Kamara's ceiling?
2: I think there's no doubt that he's going to knock down Kamara Sidon. now when you look back to the off season, I remember uh, getting into a few Twitter discussions uh, I, t- I tried to keep everything pretty diplomatic when we have discussions on Twitter which can be hard to do but um, when we looked through there was a lot of talk in this offseason I jumped on the Mailbag podcast last week with uh, Mike uh, Randall and we talked about a little bit about Latavius Murray and you know in the off season, I was talking about Murray you know and me and you last year was well documented and our thoughts on Mark Ingram and what he was doing to this offense last year obviously then we were eating a little bit of humble pie I think when it got to the start of the season when he was cashing in those touchdowns uh, to start things off with the Ravens but you know I was tweeting in the offseason there's no doubt in my opinion that Latavius Murray is a better running back at this stage of his career than Mark Ingram Uh, and I think that that's really been proven over the last couple of weeks now I really don't think that like i wasn't expecting it to be to this level uh, even if uh, kamara had gone down with an injury but if you look at what he's done over the last couple of weeks like uh, the the work was very limited in those first six games but when you look at the last two weeks 27 carries 21 carries the big thing over this past week was 12 receptions or sorry 12 targets nine receptions and 55 yards and a touchdown through the air that's something that i wasn't really expecting to see from him because i obviously I was hoping there wasn't going to be an injury to Kamara but the work over the last two weeks he's got and what he's shown that he can do with it I really think that they need to be careful when they get Kamara back because he is a lighter running back he has had injuries kind of at certain times over the last two seasons I think if this team is heading and, and like I mentioned the Packers earlier I think this team's in the mix with the Packers to be in those top one or two seeds along with the 49ers and the Seahawks and when you look down through it you want to be keeping Alvin Kamara healthy as it gets towards the end of the season so I, I think there's no doubt that they're probably going to try and use both of these guys to keep both as healthy as possible and then to to get wins on the board so i think as as a fantasy it's probably bad for for both running backs when they're both healthy uh, in terms of fantasy owners but in terms of the saints they have two really uh, good running backs moving forward here but but i think it's going to be a case where the split previously was more kind of almost 85-15 I think it'll be more of a a kind of 70-30 split or a 65-35 split in terms of the usage do you think it'll be something similar to that Sean when uh, Kamara gets back obviously the bye week coming up this week and a a very tasty matchup coming up after that against the Falcons
1: I think they have to keep Murray involved and, and try and make sure they manage those touches for Kamara I always think it's a little bit frustrating to watch some of these games and teams talk about managing the reps for their players and you would just prefer to see them do it in a more intelligent fashion where uh, you know use your stars in the first half of games use your stars when the games are close you know you don't need to be resting a guy when you've only had a couple of possessions and then you're looking forward to the end of the game and saying okay well you know we're going to balance this out we're going to take him out on the third drive because who knows who's Who knows what's going to happen later? And then you see games where... I mean, christian mccaffrey did come out at the end of their game against the 49ers but certainly played one drive too many now as a fantasy owner you're hoping you can you know pad your score you know tack on a few more points you never know how many points you'll need to get that victory but from a reality perspective you know uh, mccaffrey played one possession too many last week and now obviously we're looking at james connor potentially being out because he's playing on an unimportant drive in the monday night football game so you know you want to see camara play when the game is in doubt because he you know perhaps no longer at the level of a mccaffrey but is is right there in the next tier where he just has game changing ability on every single play but with the saints really i think now in position to control a lot of their games going forward their defense has been fantastic uh you know you don't want to have Camara in there when you've got multi-score lead late in games and so i think that his total touches really could drop as a result of of murray looking so so good we'll skip over joe i'll yeah, ask no, you a little I... bit about the packers um in overtime here and, and see what you had to say about their big matchup uh, with my chiefs on on sunday night but let's look <laughs> at these you know some of these second year receivers that you mentioned earlier second year receivers tend to be our key targets for our redraft teams and Blair points out that DJ Chark and Alden Tate were number one and number two in expected points at the receiver position this past week with 23.2 and 22.9 respectively unfortunately they had very different days despite that volume and really as you might expect how are you liking Chark now that we've seen another big game for him this season
2: I thought you were going to say how do I like Tate and it was going to be a different uh, response but uh, in terms of uh, Chark what he's been able to do we touched on a couple of weeks ago that there's no doubt this is a breakout in terms of like I'm I I think I'm probably one of the bigger DD Westbrook uh, supporters out there Uh, and Westbrook has been getting the targets and Westbrook has been getting the opportunities now banged up but when you look at like I I thought it'd be roles reversed with uh, DJ Chark um, and and basically the opposite way to this Uh, Chark being a, a pretty good player but not really having a the breakout that he's having but in terms of what he's done in terms of touchdowns that's the main difference between the two the one thing i would be a little bit uh, hesitant on is his kind of yards per attempt or yards per catch that he's getting i think it's probably going to be unsustainable in terms of that efficiency but he has been making up for it in other ways but there's no doubt sean i'm I'm pretty sure you'll probably agree this this is definitely a breakout and i I think like you know sometimes we see a player who has one or two weeks and then falls away Chark is pretty much um, you know, been able to balance out his efficiency almost throughout the entire season so far. Um, he's been active in eight games, so played every single week. But I think when we're looking at it, you have to say that this is a, a breakout. And I think long term, there's there's huge possibilities for Chark, as you mentioned, breaking out in that second year is always something very positive. Uh, moving forward, I would have very high hopes for Chark um, you know, as I mentioned, it possibly having to move him ahead of DD D- Westbrook in terms of future expectations as well. Although I still think it's pretty close and they probably would edge it to Westbrook, do you think, long term and specifically, I suppose we're we'll looking in 2019. Do you think Chark is the the wide receiver to own the rest of the way in this offense?
1: I think Chark's the guy, and if you missed the couple week window here where their offense wasn't as efficient when it looked like Minshew might not be Uh, the guy long term and still i think that's the real question with the jacksonville offense is really what they do at the quarterback position Uh, you know when you have a a late round rookie even when he's hot it only takes a couple of games for teams to maybe turn back the direction obviously they have a veteran who has been a super bowl mvp and a very good player but not really a franchise quarterback and so the (laughs) the jaguars are still in that environment, where it's a risk to take the conservative route and stay with the veteran, it's certainly a risk to go with the young guy. Uh, you know, their real quarterback of the future may still not be on the roster despite having both of those players. But this game really takes things back in the other direction. Prior to the week six and week seven, you know, Chark had had three out of four games where he had double digit expected points and that was coming off of a week one where he did not but had a huge game because he scored so many points over expectation well to have him jump back to have his uh season high career high and expected points in week eight i think really solidifies him and this offense is starting to solidify so those values for the young players across the board in jacksonville I think we're starting to see a settling of the floor for their values at a higher level than perhaps anyone anticipated. And now the ceilings are through the roof
2: yeah and i agree and, and you know you mentioned there the the possibility of falls. I, I think there's really no way that this team should go back to falls. i know you mentioned that, that he's an mvp in a, a super bowl i think if you're looking at long-term future uh, you know there, there's one of these two guys could potentially be the long term in terms of developing into uh, the quarterback the franchise is looking for and i think that for me is Minshew. Um, and i think what he's done as well in terms of maintaining fantasy relevance for these players like we've seen uh, Leonard Fournette have uh, kind of one of the better stretches of his career with Minshew we've seen uh, the wide receivers come, up, come out we've even seen Chris Connolly uh, who I know is a Chiefs fan and for me personally I was a longtime dynasty uh, owner of uh, Chris Connolly no longer am but he's having a little bit of a, a breakout here at the moment as well with a couple of touchdown catches recently so I think when you look at it the, the one thing is that he you know over his career he's only had one game where he's hit that 300 uh, yard in terms of passing but he has had a lot of them over 250 so far uh, on the season in terms of his overall you know attributes played eight games and he's um you know one of them obviously come on as a a replacement Falls with a 61.9 percent completion almost 2,000 yards 13 touchdowns two interceptions you know overall i have to say that he couldn't really do much better as a rookie i think if this guy was a, a higher drafted rookie you know even third round and above we'd be talking about him you know as as the next common in, uh, in terms of the, the next big quarterback uh, i've been really impressed with what he's done the other player you mentioned and i mentioned my kind of hinted at it is Auden tate if you look at him throughout the season i suppose this bengals offense in general um in terms of efficiency it has been really really bad from tate uh, it's one of the more uh, upside down graphs in terms of what we would want to see in efficiency that i've seen uh, in the road of his metrics in terms of the apps uh, but looking at tate um you know he's had six double digit games this year six games this year with double digit expected points um, but only one game has he uh ellipsed that and he only ellipsed that by 0.2 of a point so it hasn't been good this offense as a whole has been pretty much a disaster i know sean myself and yourself targeted it quite a bit in the offseason hasn't really worked out as well as we were probably hoping, but Auden Tate is getting all the opportunities, but there's little coming from it. Um, Is there any hope for Auden Tate moving forward?
1: Well, this is a guy who really has been forced into volume that he probably isn't ready for and that the offense would prefer him to not have. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. There are a lot of rumors that A.J. Green has more or less sabotaged uh, this offense by... You know, not coming back from his ankle injury, mostly due to money and not due to where the ankle actually is. Uh, Hopefully, if that's the case, he will get dealt in the next couple of hours. uh, Not necessarily seeing any strong rumors to that effect, but. You know, if you have AG Green out there, if you have John Ross, who actually looked like he was going to have a breakout for the Bengals, then things look a lot better. Certainly, they've had about the worst case scenario in terms of their offensive line health and how that has developed through the season. So, we haven't seen the breakout uh, from this offense that we were hoping for. And certainly, it's been uh, the pretty much diametric opposite of that Blair notes here that Tate ranks 17th in expected points per game but only 50th in actual points and that's not out of line with what the rest of this offense is doing um
2: are you ready, Sean, for some breaking news on the show? We, we don't usually do this. Are you ready? Oh,
1: yeah, let's, let's go with it here.
2: It's Bengals-related. It's, Bengals uh, it's quarterback-related. And uh, NFL.com's Tom Palazzaro is reporting that the Bengals will bench Andy Dalton after their week nine bye. So uh, that shakes it up here when we're talking about uh, the Bengals and their skill position players. So things really falling apart pretty quickly there in Cincinnati.
1: Well, this is a situation, I think, where you, you have an epic battle between the Dolphins and the Bengals to get to make sure they're in position for these top picks in the next draft and there really is a lot of one-upmanship going on in terms of just what they're willing to do to make sure they're not competitive in these games now we saw last night how toward the end of the second quarter the end of the first half the Dolphins essentially did the play that teams are supposed to do when you're down by one with 30 seconds left you don't have any timeouts and you want to allow the opposing team to score right so you go down by eight and then you get the ball back and you at least have that sort of miracle chance to you know get in score a touchdown get the two-point conversion and send the game to overtime obviously teams have gotten a little too sophisticated to have that happen but when you do it with a big lead at the end of the first half just to take a game then you know Obviously, the offense will go in and score, which which is what we saw from Johnson and the Steelers. Uh, benching Andy Dalton when this team has so many other problems and when they're almost certainly going to use that pick on one of the star quarterbacks coming out of the draft uh, just seems like a pure tank mode for, for the rest of the season. However, as I was about to say, the only player who's been less efficient than Tate this season in terms of points over expectation is his teammate Joe Mixon. And Blair points out that Bernard and Tyler Boyd also joined them in the bottom six, right? And then when you include quarterbacks, five of the 11 least efficient players in 2019 are Cincinnati Bengals. So uh, from that perspective, you know, any change is is mostly shuffling chairs on the Titanic. But, you know, perhaps to be expected with, with the way this battle for the number one pick is going
2: so i just want to take a moment to tell you about our pals over at harry's razors obviously humans have been shaving for thousands of years and not much has changed in that time uh, in terms of how we do it and i've mentioned on the last couple of shows that i really don't enjoy shaving but that's why i use harry's it is a really simple process and the main thing is they don't overcharge they don't give you gimmicky features on the razor they focus on delivering what matters which is quality sharp durable blades at a fair price as i mentioned i use harry's for the simple reason not a big fan of shaving and their blade is one that really does let me get the job done without experiencing uh, pain to i guess my my face my neck or my wallet and that's why i do it check out harrys.com forward slash blue wire and of course as i mentioned there it is super convenient blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule with or without a subscription listeners now to the rotavis podcast network can redeem their free trial at harrys.com forward slash blue wire and with that you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade ritz shave gel with aloe to help keep your skin hydrated that's the one i think that helps me immensely And a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go once again head on over to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today i also want to let you know about ship station ship station are getting you ready for that holiday rush if you sell stuff online or whether you're just sending stuff to friends or family over the christmas period you can get ready better with ShipStation. More people are buying online than ever before and need to get those orders shipped off quickly and affordably and of course that's where ShipStation comes in handy. They can help you get the best out of all the offers, decide which carrier to use and get the best rates, print your labels at home and get them sent out on time and delivered for the holidays. One of my favorite things about ShipStation is the simple interface that they have. It brings all that data into one place, lets you decide which options you want and then makes it easy to manage from any device. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best available rates. Take the hassle out of holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation help you and handle it with ease. Just use the offer code BLUE to get your 60-day free trial. That's two months of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in the code BLUE. That's ShipStation.com. Enter the offer code BLUE. ShipStation. makes ship happen. So, Sean, as we jump in here, we're going to look at your piece, and uh, it's always good to get thoughts. Uh, I don't know what the saying in the U.S., the saying in Ireland is straight from the horse's mouth. I don't know, do you have that saying, Sean, stateside, uh, about getting information directly from the author? Have you heard that saying before?
1: Yes, I don't know that I've heard it too much over the last 20 years or so. But <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely one that's out there. And, and yeah, you, you do want to get it straight from the horse's mouth.
2: Yeah, so we're going to jump into this one. It's a, it's a classically Irish saying, and it's used a huge amount. Um, and maybe that's just because some of us over in, in this part of the world are living uh, in the 19, <laughs> the 1999s of, of the world. But uh, when we look through it here, looking up and using uh, the Static Explorer in particular to look through some of the big performances of the week, and I have to say a couple of guys I really enjoyed this week that are on a lot of my teams, Mr. Kenny Galladay, one of those, Stefan Diggs, another one of those, um, and then obviously Michael Thomas who continues to to do it with Drew Brees back at quarterback, and it doesn't really seem to matter who is at quarterback for him, but the top scorers this week were Mr. Mike Evans and uh, Cooper Cup, and I think Cooper Cup probably coming into the league out of these guys might have had the lowest expectations uh, and has delivered on those time and time again uh, phenomenal game this week for him in London Mike Evans uh, and Chris Godwin continue to flip-flop with who is putting up the the, the week's kind of top five score at the wide receiver position but week week uh, it was hugely fun to watch at the wide receiver position is there any of these guys you want to you want to highlight
1: Yeah, well, I want to ask you about the Detroit Lions and their direction, even though they choked the game away against your Packers. Uh, Because you are a Packers fan, and I think you have to start getting a little bit nervous about what we're seeing from Matthew Stafford. So we had seven wide receivers with double digit points in terms of points over expectation that points more than they would have been expected to score based on their volume and two of those guys are lions in kenny galladay and marvin hall obviously hall catches uh just the the 49 yard touchdown pass on his single target but that gets him into double digits of course we're mostly interested in kenny galladay who had another you know big big game eight targets 123 yards two touchdowns scored 30 fantasy points and this comes a week after marvin jones put up four touchdowns for the lions and we're starting to see a very different matthew stafford here Uh, a week ago you know we mentioned that he was number six in passing fantasy points over expectation you know with this evisceration of the giants he jumps up to number four right and you know that just trails russell wilson kirk cousins who uh has been a weird uh player for 2019 but has just gone through one of the softest schedule stretches you'll ever see you know certainly when you have Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen uh, you can get some points over expectation there but two of the three guys above Stafford now are Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes you know two of our biggest stars two of the guys who just trail him are Deshaun Watson and Dak Prescott Two of our other biggest stars, and he's well ahead of someone uh, whom I know you're a big fan of <laughs> in Aaron Rodgers, one of the greats of all time. With what we're seeing from Stafford here, you know, should we expect Kenny Galladay now to be, you know, really not just one of those, you know, solid wide receiver two types of players? but a wide receiver one and are the lions as a team, if they can resist doing silly things like what they did with their running back uh, distribution this last week, you know, are, are they a threat to the Packers and the Vikings going forward?
2: i think in terms of the lions like they have been a lot better this year than i thought they would be uh, as an nfl team i also think that they may just be a little bit too flawed and obviously the injury as well to carry on johnson to actually you know challenge for that division i think the packers now along with the vikings the packers having the win over the vikings is a big edge at this point in time but we'll see how it shakes out but at the moment um like i, I wish i was uh, the packers were in the and the afc because um you know the afc seems to be a little bit of a cakewalk for the better teams, whereas if you you look at the nfc there's like even in that division there's three teams who i think would comfortably be probably winning their divisions if they were afc teams but looking at it you mentioned matthew stafford and i think that like i mentioned this on the mailbag last week as well i think this is probably arguably in my opinion the best uh, year of Matthew Stafford's career in terms of how he's playing uh, at the quarterback position I've been impressed with him pretty much every single week and um, he's had a couple of you know he said four interceptions in the year but two of those coming in week two against the Chargers in a game they actually managed to win uh, but overall I think I've been very impressed with what he's been able to do and I thought this team would you know go heavily on the run this year and lean away from the pass but they actually have been Uh, absolutely fantastic through the air Uh, and I think that he has been really really impressive I think you know in terms of fantasy quarterback I mentioned this as well last week Aaron Rodgers for me isn't a great fantasy quarterback a great real life quarterback I think Matthew Stafford's probably a better fantasy quarterback overall but this season he has been been tremendous and I think that helps out on Galladay and Jones and I know Jones had the big week two weeks ago I think Galladay is the the guy in this offense you know in terms of what what you want to see from a fantasy wide receiver Uh, there's only there's only one of those guys that I really want, but if if, if you have the option to get Jones in those lineups, do it. But uh, there, there's no comparison in my mind with him and Galladay. Um, the interesting thing when I hit on Stafford is looking at what I said about his stats for the year and how good they've been. There's only there's only about you know 150 yards between him and what Minshew has done, and you know the, the stats aren't that much different. Uh, so I, I think that's another sh- uh, shout out for for Gardner Minshew, but. I've been very impressed with Stafford and and this team um is is on the up but uh, I just don't think they'll be up enough for for this 2019 season Sean um when we look through some of the other guys that are in this obviously Diggs has had a major um jump here in the last couple of weeks it helped him this past week that uh, Thielen was out so we, we we all know that Diggs is one of the the favorites of all time with uh, the but I mentioned Cooper Cup and what he did uh, this this week as well. What what is your thoughts now? I know we've probably been five weeks or so since we talked about it. We have the situation now where Cooks as well has another concussion. I think it might be like the fourth or fifth documented concussion of his career. The second, I think, of this season. There is some talk that they may end up shutting him down for the rest of the year. Um, that obviously gives a huge boost to Cup, but it'll give a boost to Woods. We've seen Everett have a couple of nice games here where Where would you be ranking cup in terms of overall uh, wide receivers heading forward, you know, in terms of dynasty wide receivers? You know the jump he's taken this year, I think is is quite something,
1: yeah. and one of the things when you are watching the Rams is that Brandon cooks and Robert woods no longer jump out as being players who are really putting a lot of stress on the defense Uh, woods, especially someone that they are just continually handing the ball off to on different types of, of end arounds and pretty disconcerting. I think, for those owners because those uh, players are good enough have been good enough are still young enough where you would expect them to bounce back and you know certainly anytime that you're in a little bit of a trough like this then in a couple weeks people say well that was the chance to buy that was the chance to buy and i think that you know that might be the case at the same time you know you see cooks go out of this game and immediately josh reynolds looks very very good in the previous week we saw a situation where really instead of targeting any of the wide receivers they were going over and over to gerald everett and so you've got some pretty concerning trends for those secondary guys but one of the trends is simply that cooper cup has become such a massive part of the offense and he's such an efficient player in terms of that catch rate in terms of where he can operate on the field and in terms of what he does after the catch right in 2018 he averaged 7.6 yards after the catch per reception which was number two in the nfl He's number 10 in that category, again, uh, averaging seven yards after the catch. And when you have that type of ability and then your target share starts to jump, then you become what he is now, right? So through his first two seasons, he was at a 20% target share. And we kind of expected him to be in that same range or maybe grow a little bit when you consider that he's a young player. You were having that second-year breakout a little bit uh, aborted there with the injury and so even though he was an older rookie you're still expecting a little bit of that third year development but kind of a ceiling on those targets when you consider that again Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods are there and instead what we've seen is completely different he's up to a 28 percent target share and that only trails Michael Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins so you know, when you have his efficiency, when you have that target share, and then you look at what the Rams do, the Rams are currently number two in the NFL in expected points to the wide receiver position, right? So there is a lot of value in his role and nothing about what he's doing is something that seems fluky or relies on a bunch of 50 yard touchdowns or anything to that effect. So with him being Having that role in this offense, you know, perhaps he doesn't ever get, you know, to those top two or three spots. Maybe he's not a top five guy, but certainly you would expect him to be a top 10 wide receiver. And perhaps, you know, in that, you know, four, five, six range uh, for an extended stretch going forward.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. He kinda for me he, he's fitting into kind of where we probably should have had Julian Edelman for a couple of years, but because Edelman was a kinda older wide receiver and because he was playing with the Patriots, we never really bumped him up into that top ten as high as he probably should have been. I think that's probably we're seeing I know people talk about the athletic profile in terms of uh Cup, but he's probably a more athletic version of, of Julian Edelman. Uh, when we look down through it, Sean, just when we're on, we mentioned the the Lions game. I just want to get see if you had any thoughts, you know, on moving forward on, on Darius of the of the Giants um two two for 50 and two touchdowns in this game so on the season now he's up to 16 receptions for 267 yards and three touchdowns um somebody who's probably like we mentioned with Auden Tate getting the opportunity based on nobody really else available for the Giants in the depth chart with some of the injuries they have but any any interest there in him moving forward or do you think it's just one of those ones that it'll never contribute to long-term success.
1: Well, I think anytime that you are getting a little bit of a role and certainly then you capitalize on it, one of the reasons why we look at these guys who have the big numbers and fantasy points over expectation is because it then often does lead to the volume, which obviously you're going to need to have a sustainable role. The fact that they are in this situation where Sterling Shepherd has had the concussions, and certainly that's always a scary injury, both in terms of what it means fantasy-wise, but more importantly, what it means uh, to that person, you know, as a person with their ongoing and long-term health, then you look at what else they have, and it's not much. You have an exciting tight end, I think, in Evan Ingram, although, you know from time to time it can be disappointing how they use him and also injury concerns with ingram and then golden tate is really just one of these um you know create volume uh, force feed targets and you know almost a running back out there in terms of what he is doing now he occasionally has the big game but i think that when golden tate is the person you're co- competing with for targets then it's exciting to see what a young guy can do we're still a ways away from being able to say that, that he is the guy there but i've been rostering him at different times <laughs> it's been a little bit frustrating because slayton and then at tight end darren Fells um, have had them on rosters have had them in games and and, you know, usually you get the, the two or three points and then the following week, you know, once you're uh, not in as much of a bye week crunch, then they go back to scoring the two touchdowns. And so, you know, uh, not really matching up maybe with what fantasy owners have needed so far, but yeah, I definitely interested to see what he can do the rest of the way.
2: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's always one of those guys that you know. I think he's worth if you can get him off waivers and uh, a d- deep dynasty league. Put him in there. I, w- I wouldn't really be starting him, but you know, you never know what could break out over the next uh, you know four to six weeks to make him somebody who's valuable to your team. Um. So, Sean. The other player we're going to head on here is Mike Evans, um, forty-point game uh, in week three, and now one and week eight. Um, what's your thoughts? Uh, what's your thoughts here on Mike Evans? The rest of the way we've kind of had the up and downs with him and Godwin, as I hinted at the start. We have, you know, people bouncing back and forth. Oh, Mike Evans had no catches against New Orleans; he's obviously no good. And it's the big weeks. The volume is certainly there. James Winston as a quarterback. Is not somebody who I want as my quarterback in real life, but in terms of fantasy, he's helping to to keep uh, Godwin and Evans at the high end of the the fantasy wide receivers uh, chart. So, what's your thoughts on Evans the rest of the way? I think it continues to be that flip flop between both of them. We'll probably have some weeks in where they're both pretty even, but we'll probably have weeks again where there is spikes. But there's no doubt between the two of them, we're going to have some big spike weeks before the end of the season. I think
1: it's hard to believe that. Evans and Godwin can be doing this together when they're both on the same team but then when you look down at their running back usage with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones and how limited and how ineffective that is then you start to get a little bit of a a different sense of how maybe it is happening and then certainly you look at Seamus Winston and like you mentioned uh, he's basically on the far opposite end of that spectrum from Alex Smith where you know he reads the defense he reads the play he sees like the very most optimistic version of the play where the defender doesn't quite make uh, (laughs) the move that, that he should make and his receiver always perfectly anticipates the same sort of of route combination or route uh, version there and just unleashes these deep targets over and over and over and a lot of them end up with great fantasy uh, results a huge yards, some touchdowns a lot of them end up with interceptions with him then gesturing at the wide receiver at the end of the play of you know why didn't you go uh, to where i threw this interception <laughs> instead of running your route the way that you probably thought you were supposed to run it Mike Evans has has been exciting. He's a frustrating guy like we've talked about. You know, he still has you know over the course of his career 46% of his weeks have been at the wide receiver 3 level or worse, but 38% wide receiver 1 weeks, which even, you know, we've talked about this before, even as a star can be difficult, you know, to consistently hit those weeks because you're not just competing with the other like clear cut you know beginning of the season wide receiver one tier guys you're competing with everybody so you're competing with those you know random games from you know, darius slate and that kind of play i had a lot of fun this week pulling up the stat explorer which is just absolutely fantastic because you can look at so many different elements of the person's profile so quickly you can visualize them with the great charts and graphs that mike Beers has put together and you can kind of see you know what elements of a player's profile are different and what elements are the same and how those have changed and morphed through the seasons and get a sense of you know which things are probably going to be sustainable and which things maybe you might want to buy or sell and so for evans you know we have some pretty cool numbers here where his target depth is uh, a little bit above his career average so he's at 15.1 this year career average is 14.5 but he is right in line with last year's numbers of 15.1 so you know we would expect these deep targets to continue now his 26 percent target share is in line with his career numbers in part because in his very early seasons in the league his target share was extremely high but this is a a pretty significant bump from his 2017 to 2018 target share of just 23 percent so to see that target share jump up again, despite the presence of Godwin, certainly very encouraging. And then his fantasy points over expectation, he's averaging 3.6 per game, which that's way above his career average of 1.0. But it's been accomplished despite having four of his seven games landing in the negative. So you know, Evans is this guy. I have a a good buddy. I don't know him, but, you know, we interact a lot through trade discussions and, you know, you have these guys in your league who, you know, maybe just as some random person uh, who joined, you know, some dynasty league, you know, just some random person on the internet. But, you know, you, you get in this habit of, of talking with them and discussing trades and, you know, you get the, the sense of knowing them after a while. And and he and I talk about trades all the time. And, and one of the guys he owns, Mike Evans, I own uh, just sort of randomly in this particular league, a lot of the top running backs. And we're always trying to to work out a trade. And it's interesting, I think, to see his trade value go through these massive uh, spikes and troughs because of exactly what I mentioned there—that his his fantasy points ex- over expectation are so far above his career average, despite the fact that four of the seven games have actually been in the negative. Clearly, he put up a zero one time this year, so it, it's been a roller coaster. There, you know, it's it's going to be more difficult to make that trade for Evans after the forty-point game. But you know, you go in you look at some of the numbers, and I think you have to feel comfortable and confident with him obviously he's a star obviously he's a wide receiver one and obviously you're going to start him but in terms of his dynasty value it's very very robust now one of the other things you can do is go in and look at his uh, results by location and you know i have it the chart in the article for both Evans and for Galladay. One of the cool things for both of those players, and one of the things that I like to see is that they are involved left, middle, right. They're involved deep. Evans already has uh, way over uh, 300 yards on passes of, 15 plus yards he also is looking very good in that 5 to 14 range and so you can see based on his target profile as well that you would expect very good numbers going forward his usage in this offense is just absolutely fantastic
2: so Sean as we move into the fourth quarter I just want to jump back to the one that you mentioned there about uh, people you know talking to people in your uh, trades and in dynasty leagues and like a lot of us those leagues like at the minute I think there's six overtime Ireland leagues from when we had the the OTI podcast and there's a you know a lot of those guys that I would have never met but because you talk to those guys when you're doing trades so often uh, sometimes you talk to them more than your family and friends so they they definitely do get into that uh, stratosphere and I'm sure that the listeners that are listening and they'll know exactly what you mean when you're talking about buddies that you've never met and like us in the fantasy football community that's very very common that some of the people you talk to most are people that you you never actually get to get to see but uh, looking through sean in the fourth quarter we're going to hit on some running backs here <laughs> there's a huge kind of shift in the running back landscape over the last uh i guess we'll say two to three weeks but especially over the last week with a lot of injuries going down any any running back back that you wanted to hit on uh, out of this i guess um I, I mentioned about the the packers and Aaron jones earlier and i put out a tweet yesterday about Jamal Williams has been one of the, the biggest surprises for me on this Packers team this season and you know in terms of what he's been able to produce both as a receiver and as a as a rusher so a great one-two po- punch there but I think there's only there's only one guy that you can start with confidence that's Jones but Jamal Williams has, has really impressed me and looking around then you have guys like you know Darrell Henderson has uh, had more of a snap share this week than Todd Gurley uh, it's hard to really figure out what the situation is there uh, from week to week and it's it's really concerning but w- when you look through all the options there what's what's of interest to you when you look at the backfield breakdowns
1: well the the first one is this injury that you mentioned earlier in the show to chase edmonds he had been one of our biggest movers in terms of best ball win rates a week ago you can go on the site and kind of track how each individual player on your best ball teams are affecting your uh, win rates in in those leagues that you're playing he went out actually was racking up a very good number of expected points but you know getting completely held in check by the saints uh, on both as both a runner and a receiver last week i mentioned in the article that'll come out later today that so much can still happen in this backfield right they're looking at Edmonds' hamstring injury as being a multi-week injury david johnson expected to come back first but certainly anytime you have the number of injuries david johnson has and the types of injuries he has uh, you would not be surprised to see some of those re-aggravate and now we have this trade for Kenyon drake who is i think someone who's a big name in the fantasy community in part because he always appears to be on the cusp of a serious workload the type of fantasy workload who would make him a starter at a position that it's very difficult to field starters for and yet his performance has always really trailed that he was not as good as you would expect at alabama and did not really really Generate didn't fight through and earn the kinds of touches you would expect for an NFL running back, and then as a Dolphin, he was very, very disappointing. Coaches didn't seem to like him, even when he would have a good game. Then he would go back and he would have to fight with really non-NFL players like a Mark Walton and a Kalen Balaj, and so the fact that the Dolphins still you know want to get rid of him here, there are just so many red flags for Drake. Edmonds almost certainly the superior runner. Drake might be the superior receiver. One of the things that Blair has been noting with Edmonds on a weekly basis is that he's underperforming his expectation as a receiver. He was doing that again against the Saints. So my thought would be that if David Johnson comes back, he's probably in a better situation here because he's such a good receiver. But I don't think we have to worry as much about him losing touches to Drake since Drake's strength is also as a receiver. I think Johnson eclipses him in that category. But if Edmonds comes back, if Johnson is a little bit banged up, we now have this sort of weird uh, running back backfield where, you know, no one could really have any value, or at least that it'll be tricky and it'll be interesting. Do you have a guy that you like in this? And how do you see the injury scenarios playing out?
2: Oh, it's, it's a really, there's a couple of backfields here that I'm running through as we look through, you know, the screen grabs and th- there's a lot of messy backfields around the NFL and this is definitely one of them. Um, It's hard, it's hard really actually Johnson to have a huge amount of confidence in, in any of them. Um, and, and you mentioned, I know there's a question coming up in overtime about the the, the trades and, you know, w- with Drake uh, heading over to the Cardinals. You know, he, he's not somebody that I'll be targeting in any leagues. I have him on a couple of dynasty rosters. In those leagues, I may may be forced to, to try and stick him in the starting lineup, but it might be kind of a, a sell-high window if it turns out that he does get. An opportunity to play this week on Thursday night football, and then and then move on from him if he if he's been sitting on your rosters for those last couple of years, it's a really tough one to to break down. Um, are you excited to own anyone outside of, of David Johnson or you know if
1: Chase Edmonds comes back? I think that Edmonds is a guy where if you can now trade for him in dynasty, you have to have uh, some excitement about what he would possibly do. Now you want to be careful in terms of of what you pay because the short term looks pretty ugly. I do think that Kenyon Drake you know we have maybe one more chance and i think for him in some ways a last chance to see if he can get it done because this cardinals team is going to put him in a position i think to catch some passes to you know work in space to show that athleticism if he can make some big plays if he can show that burst uh that long speed and affect this offense for the positive then i think he has a path to continuing and it's an nfl running back but he needs to get it done in a hurry right which which is tricky and it's a lot of pressure because this arizona cardinals offense has some very good things going for that they were on a decent stretch as a team but they looked absolutely awful against the saints and so uh you know that's that's a difficult environment to be thrust into you know don't necessarily know the plays and uh, being told you know you've got to show what you can do right now or you're going to end up being a career backup but but really already that's what he's been and the types of players coaches have run out ahead of him on the teams that he's been on just certainly i think you know are, are not a particularly good sign another backfield that is potentially interesting to zero running back owners is the atlanta falcons obviously with ito smith going out you then have the potential to pick up a brian hill uh, perhaps even a Kenyon barner and if something happens to Devonte freeman which certainly we hope it does not then you'd have a workload there that might be interesting in the context of them playing from behind and being in all these weird sort of shootout types of games now devin mcintyre uh, one of the co-hosts of the solis Report, awesome show that you should check out. Uh, he mentioned last week in his trades column that you should go after Devonte Freeman because of the Sanu trade and the fact that even though Freeman really no longer looks like a star running back as a runner, he has some receiving upside. We saw this this last week, you know, play out exactly like Devin was talking about, where Freeman had 13 rush attempts. But essentially scored no points as a runner. However, eight targets turned that into over 14 fantasy points. And if you're a good pass-catching running back in a team that looks like they're going to trail, you know, every single game by multiple touchdowns in the fourth quarter, that pers- person becomes a pretty compelling asset. So, you know, would you be looking? for brian hill try and stash him on teams that are deep enough and is Devonte freeman a trade target of yours
2: I have Devontae Freeman in a couple of leagues so in those leagues I'm definitely holding on to what I have and if I can get him in a couple of leagues I, I wouldn't uh, be afraid to do it I think there's a you know when you watch when you're seeing the the box score at the end of the games there's not a huge amount to get excited about Devontae Freeman but when you you see then some of the the metrics you know I think he's outperforming the opportunities that he's probably been given uh, the one that you mentioned there that I'd be interested in probably more so than even Kenyon Drake is if, if the opportunity was, uh for Brian Hill I remember I talked on the, the preseason preview for the Falcons with Jenna Thomas and she talked about Brian Hill if he could stay on the roster, being somebody who could work into Ito Smith and Devontae Freeman's opportunities, and now we may see that happening. Uh, and this team at the moment is you know in a free fall, you know, they're down to one and seven, I believe, is the current record. Um and, and I think we're going to have a chance that Brian Hill might get some work here. Um I, I would rather have a situation where Devontae Freeman gets a, a larger chunk of the work uh, that'll help my fantasy teams more but i do have uh, brian hell stashed on a couple of rosters from that you kind know, of preseason time and deep leagues to see if we can get something there so hell is somebody who who i'm interested in if he gets opportunities on the field I, I do think he could could produce a couple of other backfields that interested me when we looked through them as well uh running down through them is obviously the 49ers, and we're both fans of uh, Matt Breida, but Tevin Coleman has been hugely efficient over the last kind of uh, couple of weeks while he's been there and been healthy, um, and, and he's getting more and more opportunities. A big, big week for him this past week. So every time I seem to see Breida, he's having a, a nice explosive run, but then it leads to not a huge amount after that. I guess when we're talking about fantasy efficiency and running efficiency, we have to give a shout-out again to uh, our buddy Leonard Fournette, who started the game, I think, the first carry of the game with a 66-yard rush this week. Uh, I think he finished the game with just around right about 70 yards. So somebody who is either a massive run waiting to happen or a terrible run into the wall on, on each of those other following rushes is, is Leonard Fournette at the moment. But there's a couple of interesting backfield situations, but a lot of them interesting uh, in all the wrong ways, Sean. So uh, let's jump in. Let's jump into overtime as we get ready to, to wrap things up.
1: So Colin, I told you that we were going to talk about the trades here for sanders sanu drake some of those fancy but we've talked a little bit about those guys uh during the show and so i think we really need to take it back to this big battle between your green bay packers and my kansas city chiefs and the chiefs coming from behind holding their own with matt moore against the great aaron Rodgers, and then just when it looked like they would spring the the home upset which (laughs) a little bit of a uh Disappointing, but funny scenario for, for Chiefs fans who, who would not be expected to, to be the underdogs there at home in, in 2019 with Patrick Mahomes. Looked like they were going to spring the upset and then LaShawn McCoy fumbles for, it seems like the billionth time, but it's really only been a couple. However, two of the three Kansas City losses this year can be traced directly to a McCoy fumble. Uh, somewhat strangely, considering he likes to hold the ball like just in his bare hand out in front of him and dare people to take it away. Both of his fumble ball plays where he really um, was more or less carrying it in the traditional fashion. But uh, benched after that, certainly the you know, Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, sort of uh, connected to them as sort of a dream location that almost certainly can't work out. I- I'm surprised that they have gone to Lashawn McCoy this season and i say that as someone who's biased in his favor uh, ben and i own him on our team we need him to score especially with david johnson being out but if i'm the chiefs i'm not really sure why i had mccoy in there in the first place and now that he's cost us a couple of games i'm really wondering if he'll be involved in much at all going forward uh you know, we saw Nicole Hardman with the, the fantastic game looking really explosive. You can see now this chiefs team uh, with the skill positions coming together a little bit again. Now that people are getting some experience, you have, uh, Tyreek Hill back. So getting a little bit healthier. And now we're back kind of the, to this team where even with a backup quarterback, we're more in the direction that we talked about a little bit last week with an Alex Smith type of team that can be competitive. But the Packers and, like you said, Aaron Jones looked absolutely fantastic. The touchdown pass that Aaron Rodgers threw when he really looked like he was throwing the ball away and I think that that in fact may have been what he was doing but probably would never admit that you have to like what you saw from the Packers even with Patrick Mahomes being out this game being played in a primetime spot at Arrowhead Stadium
2: yeah and when you mentioned Rodgers there um, obviously I, I watched some of the interviews after the games and he didn't say that he was throwing it away but he did say that he was targeting Jimmy Graham as the main receiver and he had seen somebody in the back of the end zone Uh, but if you look at the play I do think he probably was throwing it to Jimmy Graham or throwing it away Um, and then in this situation uh, Williams obviously with the catch at the back of the end zone but you know I guess when you're some, sometimes like people say the Patriots get lucky I think sometimes when you're good you make your own luck and so maybe there was a little bit of luck there but uh, a big play to come down with Um, I certainly wasn't expecting it to end up in a touchdown when it left his hand but when you look at the shout out to Matt Moore for his performance this past week you know 66.7 percent completion rate he did there was a bit of a busted coverage on the Kelsey touchdown I think we all could have threw that touchdown pass but when you look at again, what it comes down to is when you have a situation where you have Andy Reid and he's calling the plays, and you have talented players, then like Tyreek Hill, like Travis Kelsey, um, you know you're going to be able to to do it. And you know again, you mentioned and I mentioned it last week. It's pretty much that Alex Smith's game plan where you keep things pretty simple and you you move the ball and when you have somebody running comeback routes like a like a Tyreek Hill it's pretty much impossible to to cover that because if you don't run with him he's going to really burn you over the top and if you do run with him he's going to stop on that comeback route so it's really one that's very very hard for defenses to plan for but overall McCoy with the fumble McCoy has started in my teams over the last couple of weeks and has really uh, hurt me at the running back position I think it's going to be difficult to see the Chiefs having a huge amount of confidence in him moving forward but really and truly what happened at the start of the season was a mess with the way they started off the running back position and it's kind of meandered on throughout that I think they probably should have went a little bit heavier with McCoy at the start you know starting and stopping in games has probably led to him then not being as efficient as he could be maybe it's just that he doesn't have it as much as he had uh, in his previous time for example with the Eagles or the Bills maybe he's just a little bit past it but uh, this Chiefs team there's no doubt they're a very very talented team and anytime you have a talented team with a a quarterback who plays an efficient game and doesn't turn the ball over it makes it uh, very competitive so uh, i was very grateful for that mccoy turnover and a, a big win for the packers and the the nfc but um, a fun one and there's gonna be lots more fun weeks but let's hope we get uh, patrick mahomes back on the field um, as soon as possible especially when they're playing the vikings this week it would be nice for him to, to take down the vikings after the packers beating uh, the chiefs last week to, to open up a little bit of an advantage there in the division but um Fun, fun getting Mahomes back in there and just thankful that after he had that injury on Thursday night football a couple of weeks ago it looks looks very positive for him to be back out there soon so uh, uh, I think once he's back these guys uh, like we, we were very doom and gloom uh, on one of the podcasts we thought it was uh, all over for the, the Chiefs skill position players that is going to turn around very very quickly here for them so uh, all, all good news for the, the Chiefs fans out there. So Sean, as we get ready to wrap things up here, that's going to do it for another edition of Rodoviz Overtime on Rodoviz Radio. Uh, as always, make sure you're signed up and subscribed on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Get all those shows when they come out. I mentioned bonus shows coming weekly uh, from different podcasters, linking up for some fun bonus shows to talk about players and things like that. That should be fun. Make sure you su- subscribe to the main feed as well as the individual feeds, and of course, Rodoviz Patreon as well and that Slack channel. You can get the 10% discount to the road of his sub as well at road forward slash podcast and much much more um, as we get ready here for week nine heading in to the the kind of the crunch area here if you're going to make the playoffs in your team so hopefully we have been helping you do that as a week's progress as always my name's colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland sean is of course mr sean siegel uh mr zero rb and make sure you're reading all his great work up on the site he mentioned the running back piece coming out and coming live very very shortly on the site probably out by the time you are listening to this show so do check that out and with that as always have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotovis Radio. Please rate and review the Rotovis Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotovis Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotovis at a 10% discount through the Road of His Radio
0: homepage, rotovis.com forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.